Proverbs chapter 23, verse 23. And just the first portion of this verse. Wherein we read, Buy the truth and sell it not. Buy the truth and sell it not. Dear ones, as essential as faith is to our coming to the Lord Jesus Christ, and as essential as love is in our living for Jesus Christ, we could neither come to Christ nor show forth our faith in love, in obeying Christ and living for Christ, if God had not revealed his truth to us in the scripture. For we cannot believe in a Christ who has not been revealed to us in scripture. Because the scripture says in Romans 10:17, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Nor can we love a God who has not made himself known to us in his word. In 1 John 5.3, we read, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. If the God of the Bible, dear ones, has opened your eyes, given you faith, and caused you to love him and to love his truth, you are most blessed among mankind. For the vast majority of people in the world today are blinded to the truth by the enemy, even the devil. They are blinded to the truth by their own pride and by their own corruption, even as we were at one time. We are no better than they. God has opened our eyes, and therefore we see. Those who do not embrace the truth of Jesus Christ have deceived themselves into believing a lie. They are on, make no mistake about it, they are on the road to destruction apart from the truth of Jesus Christ. It tells us how we should pray for those who are on that road to destruction. How we should uphold them in prayer, how we should seek to give to them the truth that they may as well. This is the means that God uses to draw men unto a saving knowledge of Christ, the truth of Jesus Christ. Have you bowed even today before the Lord who cannot lie for his infinite mercy and grace in revealing to you his infallible truth? You didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. But God has opened our eyes to make us see. He has opened our ears to make us hear. Without the truth, dear ones, we are nothing. We are in darkness and we are in confusion. And we will deceive ourselves and continue to deceive ourselves. All is hopelessness and destruction apart from the truth of Jesus Christ. But in receiving the truth, there is 
a certainty, a certainty of knowledge. We walk in the light and we have understanding. We have meaning and purpose in life. And there is a certain hope laid up for us in the future. And the way of life is set before us. This Lord's Day, the God of truth would remind us again of the precious truth which has been revealed and offered to us so that we do not grow weary in hearing it, nor become dull in believing it, nor allow it to become a burden to us in obeying it. Sometimes when we hear something over and over and over again, we have the tendency to say, yeah, I know that. And we put it behind us and we ignore it. We do not treasure it as we ought. Today, I pray God instills within us and lights that, that flame within us, flames that, and fans that flame with regard to the unsurpassing privilege it is that we have to know to have the truth of Jesus Christ. The two main points from our text in Proverbs 23, verse 23 are these. First of all, we must seek always to buy the truth. And second, we must seek never to sell the truth. First of all, we must seek always to buy the truth. Solomon, speaking by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, states, by the truth. Let us make a few observations about the word by, first of all. First thing that I note here is that the word by, it's a verb, but it's a command as well. It's a command. This is not an option for the Christian or anyone else for that matter. God does not suggest that it would be nice if we once in a while would try to buy the truth. He does not tell us, try it, you might like it. The Hebrew word for buy is indeed a command wherein we are required by God as Christians to search for the truth. And when we have found it, to purchase it, regardless of the cost to us or to our loved ones. Dear ones, this is, I submit to you, a moral commandment that is required not only of Christians to buy the truth, but of all people in all ages and at all times. In fact, our duty to buy the truth is anchored in the third commandment. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Exodus 20, verse 7. For to hear or see the truth of God and to not believe it and not to receive it, to ignore it, to neglect it, or even to oppose it, is to take God's name in vain. Because, you see, dear ones, God's name is revealed in his truth. When we ignore and neglect his truth, we ignore and neglect the name of God and God himself. <clears throat> Our larger catechism in question 113 lists as one of the sins forbidden in the third commandment, quote, the opposing of God's truth, 
grace and ways. Let us be clear that we cannot, dear ones, be neutral when it comes to the truth of Jesus Christ. Even when we sincerely embrace what we think is true, but let's say for the sake of argument, it's actually false. We think that it's true. We're sincere about it, but it's false. It's not the truth. I want you to know that even in those cases, we have still sinned and erred by embracing what is wrong. Because the Bible says in Proverbs 14:12, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Ignorance of God's truth does not excuse us from sin. Obviously, willful disobedience against God's truth is a more aggravated sin. When we know what's right to do and we say, I'm not going to do it, that's a more aggravated sin. But let us not be mistaken that ignorance of God's truth is as well sinful. It's apart from what God has revealed in his word. Because what God reveals in his word that sin is transgression of the law of God, according to 1 John 3, 4. Anything that is contrary to the law of God is a sin. Now, when we embrace an error, even if we do so sincerely, that is a transgression against God's commandments. The third commandment, as we already noted. Some like to define sin only as what it states in James 4, 17. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. That is true. One who knows the truth and doesn't do it, that's sin. But sin is more than that. Sin is not only willful transgression, sin is even ignorant transgression. And that's why we need the grace of Christ. Because we sin and err against God all of the time. Even without knowing it. We fall short of His glory. And apart from God's mercy in Jesus Christ, Apart from his forgiving us, even of those sins of ignorance. You'll remember there was even sacrifices for sins of ignorance in the Old Testament. We will be lost apart from that. Let's just put aside all of the sins we commit willfully. There is enough and more than enough. Enough to pile uh, our sins all the way to heaven. Sins of ignorance to condemn us. Because God is a holy God, he cannot simply wink at sin in any way, we need Jesus Christ, who perfectly fulfilled the law of God, who perfectly maintained truth, who said of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So, dear ones, let us not play loose and free with the truth of God, thinking there is little consequence to the decisions we make either for it or against it. As if to say, oh, this is, this is not essential to my salvation, so it doesn't really matter what I believe on this point. That's dealing loose and free with the truth. Dear ones, although none of us perfectly embraces the truth, every truth, that's been revealed by God. We all fall short to varying degrees in standing for and in receiving the truth of God. Let us never minimize the truth of Jesus Christ. For we are commanded by God, 
buy the truth. And as we shall soon see, we are to buy it at all costs. A second observation from this command to buy the truth. Note that the word buy is a marketing term. The image painted by the word buy envisions us going forth to the store and having to sort through many different products or commodities that pass for the truth. But we are to reject that which is false and rather to buy that which is true. How will we know what is true? Well, what is true will be agreeable to the word of God, to the scriptures. That is God's revelation to us. We're told in scripture that there are many counterfeits vying for that which is true. So that we must be ever so careful that we purchase not a lie, but rather purchase the truth. There is even more true. This is even more true now than ever before, because at this particular time, we have instant access to information by way of the Internet that past generations did not have. (coughs) You can be immediately in a cyber market of theological ideas as you watch and read a debate over the subject of national covenanting or purity in worship or justification by faith alone. We must go into such debates, whether on the internet or otherwise, with one another, not merely, not merely to satisfy our own curiosity, not merely to fill our minds with theological terms, not to impress others with our knowledge. Not to throw out a few more ideas into the theological pot just to see how people react to what we have to say. But rather, we should enter into these discussions about the scripture, about the truth. We should enter into them with the purpose of buying the truth and sorting it out from all error to the glory of God who has given to us his truth. What are our motives, dear ones, in debating theological ideas and concepts? Is it a love to buy the truth, whatever it may cost us, or is it a love to win an argument and to display how much we know? Do our discussions concerning the truth end in fruitless outbursts of anger or offense against others due to the way we have conducted ourselves, the pride, the arrogance that we have manifested. When others do not receive what we say as being the truth, is it our pride that is hurt? Or do we sincerely grieve and sorrow because the truth of Jesus Christ has been Rejected, ignored, or neglected. Dear ones, let us continue our theological discussions with one another, with those even outside of our church. 
Let us do so with an intense love of the truth of God's infallible word in the areas of the regulative principle of worship and justification by faith alone, on the subject of eschatology or ethics or any other subject, but let us examine our motives that we simply desire to buy the truth at all costs rather than to flaunt our own abilities. A third observation in the form of a question. How do we buy the truth? Is the truth literally for sale? Well, in one sense, the truth is not for sale. For the Lord Jesus told his disciples as they were to go out into the highways and byways of life, freely you have received, freely give. Matthew 10.8 If the truth of God could only be purchased, dear ones, with money, then the rich would be the ones to have it, and the poor would not have it. They would be excluded from it if it meant something we had to actually purchase. But listen to the word of God from James chapter 2, verse 5. Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith? And heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him. In fact, in this sense, we are told that the truth is not for sale by our own merit, by our own works at all. In fact, we are invited to come to Christ who himself is the truth. Without money and without price. If we simply hunger and thirst. To have the gospel of salvation. We're invited to come to Christ. In Isaiah 55, chapter 55, verse 1. In this sense, dear ones, the gospel was bought and paid for not by us. But the gospel of our salvation was paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. It was paid for at an infinite price. Even the blood of our Savior. That tells you how important the truth of God is to him. He was willing to send his son to purchase it for all of his people. Dear ones, if you try to pay in this sense, if you try to pay for the truth, if you try to buy the truth by your own works of righteousness, by your own good works, by your own merit, if you try to buy the truth because you think you have the gifts and the abilities or the graces and you deserve the truth, if you think that you deserve the truth because you have faith or repentance, if you believe that, if you think that those are the reasons why you deserve the truth, then you're always looking inside to find the reason why God is giving to you the truth, not looking to his kindness, his mercy. You don't recognize that there is nothing within you that deserves the truth. That is of God's free grace and mercy that he has given to us the truth. And if one is trusting in something that he can do by way of his merit, his works, to earn and deserve the truth. The Bible teaches that person has purchased a lie, a false gospel, 
which will lead eventually, if there is not a turning from that false gospel to the true gospel, he will eventually find himself in everlasting destruction in hell. There is another sense, dear ones, concerning the truth of God, according to Proverbs 23:23, in which it, it is something that is for sale, and we are to buy it. We are to buy it at all costs. The truth revealed to us by the Lord must be bought, dear ones, with a willingness to suffer the loss of our job, the loss of our house, loss of our family, loss of our friends, loss of our freedom, the loss of our reputation before others, and yes, even at the cost of losing our own lives. That is how high we are to hold the truth of Jesus Christ, that we are willing to forsake all things in order to have it, to buy it. For there is nothing in this world which this world which is passing away that is more valuable than Jesus Christ and his truth. Nothing. The truth of Christ, dear ones, is eternal and is the means, as we've said, by which God saves us from the wrath to come, by which we enjoy that blessed and sweet communion and fellowship with Jesus Christ. The truth of Jesus Christ is that by which we grow into ever greater conformity, looking more and more gradually like our Savior, never reaching that pinnacle, certainly in this life, but growing, growing in conformity to Christ. The truth of Jesus Christ is that by which, dear ones, we avoid sin and temptation in our lives by which we lead others as well to a saving knowledge of Christ. What are you willing to forsake in order to buy the truth? What are you willing to forsake? Is there something you'd say, I'm willing to have the truth at all costs except this one. I'm not willing to have the truth if it means this. Just how valuable, dear ones, to you is your Savior, who is the truth. Is it valuable as long as you are with your brothers and sisters and in company with God's people, but when you're all by yourself or with another group of people, it's not as valuable to you and you're willing to sell it rather than buy it? Would you be willing to give up your own life to buy or to stand for the truth of God as did those in England who would not confess that the bread and the wine and the Lord's Supper actually becomes the body and blood of Christ and as a result went to the stake to be burned for that truth during the reign of Bloody Mary. Or what about the covenanters that went to the scaffold to be hung because they would not confess that the civil magistrate has authority over the doctrine, worship, and government of the church, but who rather maintained that Jesus Christ is king of his church. And he is the one who gives to the church the doctrine and the worship 
and the government that she is to practice and to believe. The scripture tells us, beloved, that there is coming a time in the future when those who would be faithful to Christ must buy the truth, indeed, at the cost of their own lives. And it may not be that far away. It certainly isn't that far away for many Christians throughout the world who are laying down their lives for Jesus Christ even now. And we are sadly mistaken if we believe it can't happen here. According to Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, there is coming a time in the future in which the witnesses of Christ will be slain. But the hope that we have is that though, though they are slain for a brief period of time, there is a resurrection, as it were, of those witnesses. Not a, a literal bodily resurrection of those witnesses at that point in time, but in the person of subsequent faithful Christians who will stand for the truth because the truth cannot die. Yes, our bodies can die. We can be imprisoned. Our mouths can be taped shut. But the truth cannot be quenched. The truth of Jesus Christ is from everlasting to everlasting. And no man upon earth and no demon in hell can quench the truth of Jesus Christ. Dear ones, it is time to take inventory of the value that you place, that I place upon Christ and His truth. Christians neither receive nor apply the truth of God perfectly in their lives, as we've said. But Christians, I submit to you, do desire, no matter how weak and frail they may be, there is the desire in their heart to receive and to apply the truth of God as faithfully as they can in their lives. Having considered then that this buying is a moral command from God that cannot be altered, that it is a marketing term. And we have considered what sense we are to buy the truth. Let us consider fourthly that this buying of the truth can only be done in the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't do it in our mere ability, our own flesh. It is the Holy Spirit that must open our eyes to the infinite value of God's truth. We will never see nor appreciate the priceless treasure and riches of Christ truth apart from the work of God's Spirit in our hearts. This is the reason why in the very same family there may be a Jacob with all of his weaknesses, with all of his sins and frailties, there may be a Jacob who loves the birthright of truth. But there may be an Esau who despises the birthright of truth and who is willing to sell it for his own comforts, for his own pleasures in this world. This is the reason why in the very same church there may be a Peter with all his weaknesses and frailties and fallings who loves, however, the gospel of Christ and yet be a Judas in that same church who pretends to love the gospel of Christ and is willing to betray it, to deny it, to turn his back upon it altogether for 30 pieces of silver. It is the Spirit of God 
dear ones, that reveals the truth of God to us. For he is called the Spirit of Truth in the Scriptures. John 16, verse 13. Dear ones, in buying the truth of God, you are not wise enough, you're not smart enough, nor am I, to do so without the illumination of God's Holy Spirit. That is not to say that you must forsake reason and intelligence in buying the truth. It is simply to say that you cannot lean upon your own unaided reason or wisdom to lead you to the truth of God in order to buy it. The Spirit of God uses our minds to lead us to the truth and to guide us in distinguishing between truth and error and in applying the truth to our lives in various circumstances and situations. How much time, knowing that to be the case, how much time do we spend in prayer simply beseeching God by His Spirit to illuminate our minds to understand and to apply His truth? How much time do we spend over that matter if it is so important? Dear ones, let us never forget that it is the Spirit of God that opens our eyes to the truth, gives us faith to embrace the truth, bestows upon us a love to cherish the truth, and grants us an earnest desire and willingness to obey the truth. That all comes from God's Spirit. It is not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And lastly, under this first main point, and we'll move then very quickly to the second main point. But lastly, it's very important that, that this, be, this fifth uh, observation be made. Let us briefly consider what it is that we are to buy. Buy the truth. The truth. Not an imitation of the truth. Not something that closely resembles the truth. But we are not to be satisfied until we have bought the truth itself. Let me ask, what makes the truth true? What is it that makes the truth valuable? What is it that makes the truth right? Let me give to you, very, very quickly, five things that make the truth true. First of all, The essential oneness of God makes the truth true. God is one living and eternal, infinite God. Although there are three persons within the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, they are not each one-third a part of God, but each is fully God, having the same essential nature. Now, since God is essentially one, There cannot be contradictory or conflicting views of the truth within God. He is one. For just as there is one God in essence and being, so there is one divine truth revealed by that same one God. And so we're not cast into some sea of relativity when it comes to the truth. God has revealed himself. Now, we may not fully understand what God's truth is. But let us be clear, there are not many conflicting truths. Truths that contradict one another. 
There is only one God, there can only be one truth. There is, there, because there is one God, there is only one way to heaven. There are not many ways to heaven. There is only one way, through Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. The Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, dear ones, have never disagreed with one another as to what is true or what is false, or what is right or what is wrong. And why is that the case? Because they are eternally one God in essence, rather than being many gods. What makes the truth true? Secondly, the omniscience of God makes the truth true. That is, that God knows all things. This one God is revealed in Scripture is not deficient in knowledge at any point, but is omniscient, knowing all things actual and all things possible, and knowing all of these things at precisely the same moment. God doesn't have to call forth from the back of his mind something so that he thinks about one thought at a time. All of his knowledge is ever-present with God. Infinite, but ever-present with God. His understanding of all things. This one true living God has never learned anything, nor has he ever forgotten anything. All knowledge is immediately present with God from eternity to eternity. Thirdly, the righteousness of God makes the truth true. The righteousness of God. Truth is true because it reflects, dear ones, the holy character of a righteous God who is absolutely true and faithful to himself and to his word. He cannot lie. It is impossible for God to lie. Thus, a proper study of truth in whatever realm that we would pursue will ultimately lead one back. If it is true, if it is indeed true, whatever realm we're studying, it will lead us back to the God of truth. For all that is actually true is true because it is God's truth. Fourthly, the authority of God makes the truth true. God is the creator, dear ones, and Lord of all creation. He rules and orders all things that come to pass for his own glory. God has never consulted man nor angel in determining what is true or false, what is right or what is wrong. No one has ever been God's counselor or teacher. He has sovereignly revealed his will to us, his creatures. Only he has the sovereign right, therefore, to declare what is true, and he has done so in his word. Finally, fifthly and finally, the revelation of God and creation in Scripture makes the truth true. The fact that such a God as just described would determine to reveal himself and his truth to men and angels must require that his revelation of himself be absolutely true and without error. Yes, the sin of man may pervert the revelation of God in understanding it, But the revelation of God has been perfectly made known in creation and in Scripture. Being absolutely sovereign and absolutely powerful, he is able to use even sinful men to record perfectly the words that he wants to communicate to us. To give to man a revelation of truth concerning the glories of his salvation in rescuing sinners like you and me 
through the Lord Jesus Christ. The truth of God, dear ones, is most fully and clearly revealed in the Bible. It is God's self-revelation. And what is chiefly revealed in Scripture is the will of God for our salvation. It is God's, if you will, it is God's autobiography as to how he graciously determined to glorify himself by loving and saving undeserving sinners through his own appointed mediator, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The Bible is God's love letter to lost sinners. He has determined to find perishing sinners he has chosen to rescue. Ungodly sinners he has purposed to forgive through the blessed work of Jesus Christ. Only in the Bible do we find the infallible rule of faith and practice. You won't find it in any other so-called holy book. Only in the Bible. Only in the Bible does God fully reveal to man what man's chief end is, and that is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. To turn from this revelation of truth, to turn from this revelation of truth is to consign oneself to eternal death. But to embrace by faith this revelation of truth and the gospel of salvation which it proclaims is to receive God and Jesus Christ, our Savior, as revealed therein in the benefits of everlasting life. Very quickly, the second main point, we must seek never to sell the truth. Dear ones, there is always the temptation to sell the truth. Buy the truth and sell it not. Proverbs 23, verse 23 says, there's always the temptation in our lives to sell the truth. To sell the truth by ignoring it because it's uncomfortable. It makes us uncomfortable in our lives to follow the truth. It brings hardships into our life. It's not easy to follow the truth. Our flesh rebels against it. People persecute us for it when we follow the truth. It's not easy. So, one of the ways in which we can sell the truth is simply by ignoring it. We can also sell the truth by neglecting it because we are too busy to obey it. Our lives are filled with so much going here and there and we don't take the time to read and to study God's word, to fill our minds with his truth. And so we simply go on our merry way. Always another day to obey the truth. Not right now. Not right now. Another day. Another time. Tomorrow. Not today. And so we can sell the truth by neglecting it. We can also sell the truth by compromising it in order to receive the applause of men. In order to make it more palatable to live amongst men. We can compromise the truth. That's a form of selling the truth, dear ones. None of us likes to be unpopular. You know, within our natures, we want to be accepted by others. That's just a part of the way we're constituted. But we live in a world where there is two ways of thinking, essentially. Either God's way or man's way. 
either God's wisdom or man's wisdom. And we have to make choices and decisions. Who are we going to please? And we, if we compromise, we're saying, in effect, that we are seeking to please men rather than to please God. We're looking for the applause of men rather than the applause of God. And God says, if that's our attitude, we have our reward already. We can also sell the truth by rejecting it simply because we do not want to believe it. We just don't want it. We can just reject it. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Keep the truth far from me. I don't want it. We also sell the truth when we, like Peter, say we believe it. The Apostle Peter. We say we believe it. And we not saying Peter didn't believe the truth. But don't practice it. We sell the truth. We have double standards. Peter said he believed in his heart that people were saved only through faith in Jesus Christ. He believed that to be true. He knew that to be true, but he practiced it differently when he was in Antioch. And he refused to eat with Gentiles when certain Jews from Jerusalem came. He, in effect, was saying that there is more than faith in Jesus Christ that is needed to have fellowship with Christ and within the church of Jesus Christ. There's more than simply faith in Christ. That we must basically, Peter was saying, you you Gentiles must become Jews in order to become Christians. He compromised the truth at that point. He said one thing, but he practiced another. Dear ones, our double standards in saying one thing and doing something altogether different is also a form of selling the truth. We're all guilty of doing this. To varying degrees, we're guilty. But unless we are aware of the serious nature of what we do, we will not grieve over it, will not confess it to the Lord, will not seek to grow so that we are not applying double standards, We will not endeavor new obedience by God's grace to be more and more consistent in our words and in our deeds. Help us, O Lord, to remember that there is one who is perfectly consistent with his words and his deeds, even Jesus Christ. You see, our salvation doesn't rest upon our consistency. It rests upon his consistency. He never failed in one point. He's our salvation and our righteousness. Dear ones, does your faith, I'm sorry, does your view of the truth of Christ lend itself to buying it at the cost of everything you have and not selling whatever the cost to you? Or rather, does your view of the truth of Christ more lend itself to an attitude in which you can take it or leave it? Is the truth of God valuable to you when it is comfortable and does not bring too many hardships into your life? Or is it valuable to you even to the point of ridicule, isolation from family and friends if necessary, persecution, loneliness, imprisonment, and even death? 
Is your view of the truth reflected in the words of Christ as found in the parable of the pearl of great price in Matthew chapter 13, verse 46? This man found a pearl of great price and he sold all that he had in order to have that pearl of great price. Do you want Christ and his truth to such an extent that you are willing to sell all that you have in order to have it. Is the truth of God esteemed more by you than your necessary food, as Job says in Job 23.12? Do you take the truth of God with you when you listen to your music? Or is it very convenient simply to forget about the truth that God has revealed to you in his word because you enjoy the music or the beat? Do you take the truth of God with you when you sit before your computer or watch your movies and making a covenant with your eyes, which you should do, and a covenant with your ears not to allow that which is unclean and profane to entertain you? At what cost are you willing to buy the truth? At the cost of your pleasure? At the cost of your desires? At the cost of your comforts? At the cost of your pride? Dear ones, buy the truth and sell it not. Seek the truth as one seeks for gold. Adorn yourself in the truth as one wearing fine clothing. Be not ashamed of the truth, for there is nothing more valuable in this world than the truth of Jesus Christ. I invite you to come to Jesus Christ today and freely receive him. Him of whom it was said, of whom... He said of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Dear ones, you do not need a college degree to receive Christ, in whom, all, in whom dwells all knowledge and wisdom. You must turn from your own righteousness. You must turn from your own works and embrace him as your righteousness. You must turn from your own wisdom and cling to him as your wisdom. You must forsake your own knowledge of the truth and receive Christ as the knowledge of the truth. I invite you, come to Christ today, buy the truth and sell it not. Please stand with me in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank Thee that Thou hast challenged us from a very short portion of God's Word to reflect upon the truth that we have received through Christ our Savior. And how, O Lord, we must not reject it. Thou hast given to us many reasons in Thy Word for embracing it and many reasons, O oh Lord, not to reject it, not to ignore it, not to neglect it, not to compromise it. Our Heavenly Father, we are weak and frail, and apart from Thy Spirit giving to us humility to receive the truth, giving to us faith to embrace it, giving to us, Lord, love for it and a desire to obey it. We will not do so. So we plead with thy spirit to come and to fill us 
Help us, our Lord, that we may walk therein, that we may not account it as worthless, but as more valuable than anything in this life. Minister to thy people today. Encourage them, O Lord, by thy word. Lift up their spirits to rejoice in Jesus Christ, who has given to them all blessings, all heavenly blessings in Jesus Christ. We ask, Lord, these things in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. You are welcome to make copies and give them to those in need. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. It is likely that the sermon or book that you just listened to is also available on cassette or video, or as a printed book or booklet. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, that's E-D-M-O-N-T-O-N, Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, from his commentary on Jeremiah 7.31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle was adopted by the Papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves would fall to the ground. It is indeed a horrible thing for the Papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle, that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important when he says that God had commanded no such thing and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.